Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, do help us now as we study. Help us, Lord, by opening your word to us. Help us by opening our heart to your word, that we might, Lord, be children of God that please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis 45, verse 7. Genesis 45, verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house, a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, say it unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon Benjamin's, his brother Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Okay. Now, in our, in our, in our last study, what we did is we got a couple of uh, important takeaway messages from the life of Joseph because what we saw from his words, haste ye, was how we should live our lives. We should live our lives in this hasty manner, this hasty mode of seeing how limited our time is here on earth and then how we need to do what the Bible says in all of the chapter of Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, which especially says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So this term is so important. It gets to this heart of hasty, redeeming the time. Because it brings to us this, our mind, this idea that time is spent. Time really is spent. We spend our time doing so and so. And sometimes we waste time. And then, uh, and we say, oh, next time I want to be used by God. So it's like redeeming the time, like buying it back. And the Bible is very clear, especially in Ephesians 5, of what it means to redeem the time. It's basically talking about what the Bible talks about in Ephesians 5.11, which starts this whole subject. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does not make manifest, whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. 
see then that you walk circumspectly, circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So to redeem the time means to first have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It's not for us. And not even to speak about the sins that are done in secret. You know, right now the media is so preoccupied with men who use their power to abuse women, and and the media is just thirsting for all the details. They want to know all the details about what was done in secret. But for believers, the Bible says clearly, it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. And then it says to walk circumspectly. Walk, that's a great word, circumspectly. You know, the other day I was driving at Takati, and there was this house, and it had a, a concrete wall, you know, for security, a security wall there. And what they had done is that they had taken a lot of pieces of broken glass and put them on the top of the concrete wall. You don't want to put your hand on the top of that wall. You ever seen that before? How many of you have ever seen that? That's really interesting, isn't it? And so the picture has been described of a cat walking along a wall like that, and you know how cats are with their little paws. They very carefully put them down in between the glass shards, you know, and he walks along and doesn't get cut. That's the picture of the meaning of the word walk circumspectly, walk carefully like that. And then the other part is to understand what the will of the Lord is so that we can be used by God. We can do his will. So he says, Joseph says in verse 9 here, haste ye. And we see these four applications of hasty, of redeeming the time. No participation in the works of darkness. Not even speaking, second, not even speaking of the sins which are done in secret. Walking circumspectly in this world, understanding and pursuing the will of God. Now, the second takeaway message we got was that when we saw how Joseph gave his brothers a second chance, he gave them a second chance, a second opportunity to do right where they had done wrong. So where they had failed to be truthful messengers when they said, you know, wild beast did Joseph in. Now they were given the second opportunity to go back. And when we saw that, we learned what real repentance is. Real repentance is to be in the same temptation that we sinned in in the past, but this time we don't sin. Now, something else interesting. When Joseph's brothers, picture this now, when Joseph's brothers go back to Jacob and they say to Jacob, Joseph is alive in Egypt, what's the one question that Jacob would ask? <laughs> How did he end up in Egypt? <laughs> you think you might want to know that? Tell me, Egypt? <laughs> Egypt now, right? Not Syria, <laughs> but Egypt. Oh, that's so interesting. Tell me, how did he get there? So, <laughs> oh, did he decide to take a vacation? <laughs> anyway, so what happened in this is that the brothers at that point were, they, they had to fully confess that, yeah, we were going to kill Joseph and then we sold him to eat. That was a full confession of their sins. So Joseph's brothers from this, they had to make a full confession of their sins to Jacob. And this shows us that without confession, there is no repentance. Without confession, there is no repentance. That's why the Lord Jesus said in Mark 1.15, Mark 1.15, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. He said, he says, uh, he talks about this, re- the, the joy that there is in Luke 15.10. He says, there's joy 
in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And then that was the message that the disciples gave all throughout the book of Acts, especially in Acts 3.19, Acts 3.19, where they said, repent you therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. It's a whole lot easier just to believe the gospel and have the sins be blotted out than to actually confess the sins. That's so distasteful. But that's not easy. I mean, why can't all those sins just be blotted out without the confession? Because full confession is a part of repentance. And that's what we see in the life and the ministry, really, of John the Baptist, who preached repentance. And as we said in Mark 1.15, Mark 1.15, it says, There went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Can you imagine that scene? I mean, they were all just coming with this load of sins. And when they got into the, the water there, uh, uh, the Jordan to be baptized, they let it all out and they confessed their sins. See, it's not enough for us to just cover over all our sins and just, just to say, oh, Lord, for, just forgive me for all my sins. You know all those things. But when we've sinned against, and, and even now, when we sin against the Lord, we have to confess the specific sin to God to be cleansed. Is what it says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Now, looking back over verses 9 through 11 here, Joseph has made his message that they were to carry to Jacob to be very clear and very definite. And now we see in verse 12 that there's, that having done this, there's something very important that Joseph wants to say. It's like a burning point that he wants to make with them when he says in verse 12, verse 12, he says these things. He says, behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. Now, doesn't that seem a little strange to you? I mean, well, whose mouth would it be that was speaking to him, you know? <laughs> I mean, that, but, but there's something very important in what he's saying here. He's not just saying something's dumb. You know, obviously it's his mouth that's speaking to him. No, he's making a point here. And, and if we were to pull the essential words out of verse 12, kind of to get to the essence here, it would go like this. Your eyes see my mouth that speaketh unto you. That's what he's saying in verse 12 here. Your eyes see my mouth that speaketh unto you. And this was a burning point for him, and it was so important, and it wasn't a dumb thing for him to say. He was making a point here. Joseph was giving to his brothers here this command that he was to deliver the, 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 the message, the command, the message that, that they were to deliver faithfully. Not like they hadn't been in the past. And this message to his father was of utmost importance, and he was relying on his brothers not to fail. And you know, we can just picture Joseph now scanning the eyes of all of his brothers, looking at every one. And maybe maybe there were some brothers who were like listening, but they were like, you know, kind of dropped their head. They weren't really looking at him. And at that point, you know, Joseph was saying to them, no, 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 look at me. Don't you look away. Look squarely at me now. Because I, I want you to look particularly at my mouth, and I want you to, and, and I want your eyes to focus in on my mouth, and I want you to see my mouth speaking these words to you. Now, why do you think it was so important 
for Joseph to, to, to have his brothers look at his mouth. I mean, why didn't he say to them, look at my eyes? You know, like, like, like one, one customer lady did to me in, in Europe one time. Anyway, and she said, you know, we're going to make some, some business deal. And she said, now look in my eyes. She said, you know, I thought, oh, this is spooky. But anyway, she said, look in my eyes because you're going to, you know, live up to your end of the deal, the bargain, you know, so. But anyway, he didn't say that. He said, look at my mouth. Why was it so, why his mouth? Why do you think? Why the mouth? Okay. Because what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. Okay, good. Anybody else? That's good. Yeah. Oh, he's being sincere in what he's saying, and he's saying it, and they should look at his mouth and see this. And he was wanting them, so what we're seeing here is that he was wanting them to draw this vital link between his message and his mouth, or his person, as you said, is sincere. His message and his mouth. He wanted them to draw this link. And so then, therefore, a really important word in, in, in verse 12 is the word my. When he says, it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. It's my mouth that speaketh unto you. Joseph was wanting his brothers to associate his mess, the message with, with, with himself, with Joseph. He wanted to be so strongly associated that when he said, watch my mouth, that I'm speaking to you, that he wanted them to come to the conclusion, Joseph is the message. Joseph is the message. You know, this, he said, I want you to look at my mouth because he wanted to see that Joseph was so engaged in this message. What was the message? Come down to me. Let me nourish you. Let me protect you. So, so that by focusing on his mouth, when he said that message, Joseph was wanting his brothers to see that is Joseph. Joseph is the message. See, it was not just many things that Joseph was getting done there. You know, well, you know, I got to feed Egypt. I got to, you know, get all these things under control. And oh, yeah, also I got to get my family down here so I can nourish and protect them. No, this was Joseph's life goal. This was Joseph. It was to get his family to come down so that he could nourish and protect them. And all this about their eyes seeing his mouth speaking the message to him was all to show them that Joseph is this message. This is Joseph. Joseph knows here that he has been put in this elevated position of being ruler over all of Egypt for such a time as this. So that Joseph could nourish and protect his Jewish people from the destruction of starvation. And I was quoting, of course, and you know that, but I was quoting the words of Mordecai that he said to Esther in Esther 4.14, when Esther, in Esther 4.14, when Mordecai said, thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that was the time when Esther was queen of Persia. And, you know, I, I can't hardly even say that without being amazed. A Jewish woman was the queen of Persia. Jewish women are queen of many houses. But the queen of Persia? She was the queen of Persia. And Mordecai told her, you have been promoted to be the most powerful woman on earth. For one, you've been the most powerful woman because you're the queen of Persia. For one purpose so that you can nourish and protect your Jewish people 
from the destruction of Haman. And that's the same message that Joseph was saying to his brothers, that Joseph had been promoted to be the most powerful man on earth in Egypt for such a time as this, so that like Esther, he could nourish and protect his own Jewish people, which was what he said in Genesis 50, verse 20, or Genesis 50, 20, where he said, God bent it unto good to bring to pass this, this day to save much people alive. Joseph was a savior who was promoted or raised up to save his Jewish people from destruction by them coming to him and so he can nourish and protect them. Esther was a savior who was promoted or raised up to save her Jewish people from destruction. So Esther and Joseph were promoted to save. They were not the only ones who were saviors who were promoted or raised up to save their Jewish people from destruction. That's exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 5.31 makes it so clear. Acts 5.31, when it says, him, that's the Lord Jesus, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins. Now, when that verse says that God exalted the Lord Jesus Christ to be a savior to give repentance to Israel's forgiveness of sins, that's the same as it was with Esther and with Joseph and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, They were all promoted, or in his case, raised from the dead, to be a savior of their own Jewish people. And Joseph knew that this was his life goal. And so he knew his life goal was three words, promoted to save, promoted to save, promoted to save. And those those three words, if Joseph had a tombstone, he could have said, put those words on my tombstone. My life was that I was promoted to save, promoted to save. And, and if Esther had a tombstone, she would say, put those same words on my tombstone too. You can put them on my tombstone, Esther would have said, promoted to save. And that's the description of the Lord Jesus Christ, promoted to save, meaning that he was promoted from death by resurrection to save his people from their sins. So when Joseph says in verse 9, for his people to come to him, they had to come to him, and in verse 10, so that he could be, they could be near him, and then in verse 11, so they could nourish he could nourish and protect them. See those three steps. They had to come to him, verse 9, so that they could be near to him, verse 10, so that he could nourish and protect them, verse 11. That's the same message that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, that's the verse 9, come. And also we can parallel that with John 14. I will that they would be with me. Go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. That's the verse 11. All you that labor and heavy labor, and I'll give you rest. That's the nourishment and the protection. It's the same message. Come near to me to be near, to come to me to be near to me so I can nourish and protect you. And Joseph wanted their eyes to see his mouth speaking these words to, to so, so that his brothers wouldn't understand. That's Joseph. Joseph is the message. Joseph is that message. That Joseph is the message of come to me to be near me so I can nourish and protect you. 
And Joseph, with that message, was the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, another word for the word message is the word word, word. So that when we say that, 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 that uh, uh, with Joseph, Joseph was the message, that's what we're saying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the message. The Lord Jesus Christ is the word, is the word. And, and, and that's the way it was with Joseph, and that's the way it was with the Lord Jesus. The word, what word? Come to me so you can be near me, so I can nourish and I can protect you. This is what's meant in John 1.1 1, 1, when it says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the message. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then later on in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. <clears throat> we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word. It is, come to me so you can be near me so I can nourish and protect you. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that message. And that's why it's so important for Joseph, for them to see that this was not just some cold, sterile message, you know, on a piece of paper that, 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 that they were to, you know, pull out. And you get to the Father and say, no, let me see now. Da, 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 da. No, no, they, 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 their eyes were to look at Joseph's mouth so that they could see this link between the message and Joseph was so strong that they could say to their father, Joseph is that message. He is that message. And that's the meaning behind this, what Joseph meant in verse 12 when he said, behold, your eyes see that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. Now, when we look at this link that Joseph was making with his words when he says this in verse 12, behold, your eyes see the eyes of my brother Benjamin, it's my mouth. It speaketh unto you. And again, when we extract that core message out, which is simply your eyes see that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you, we can see beyond Joseph, beyond this instance here of Joseph, to an illustration uh, uh, where the Lord is saying those words to us. And when we do that, just imagine how wonderful it is if every time we sat down at the, with the Bible, that we heard our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, saying those same words to us as we sit down. We sit down with the Bible, we open up, and we, 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 hear, God, we hear the Lord Jesus saying, your eyes see, it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. You know, compared to the lost, the saved, we see the Bible totally different from how the lost see the Bible. For the, lo- for the, for, for the lost, the Bible is a profound book. It goes on the bookshelf with all the profound books that have been written for the law, but that's it. For the lost, the Bible is nothing more than one of the greatest or the greatest book that was ever written. Nothing more than that. You know, for the lost, the Bible is an essential part of a great religion called Christianity along with the other great religions of of Buddhism and Hinduism. I'd rather call Christianity truthianity. Uh, But for the lost, it's nothing more than an essential part of Christianity. For the lost, the Bible must be studied, and it must be understood. You should even take a college course on comparative religions. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 